On the platform this morning, you'll see some uh, teenagers and uh, a couple who are not teenagers. Uh, um, yes, yeah. Uh, teenage wannabes. Um, but in the last two weeks, I've been spending time studying the Word of God with this group. And uh, I, on, the, on the story of the Church of Smyrna, it's a church of martyrs, uh, I've spent about roughly uh, three, three and a half hours sitting with this group, talking about what this church means and how it impacts us today. Now, some of them that that have been a part of that teaching are not able to be here this morning, but they are going to preach the message that I want you to hear. It's a life-changing message, and it's a powerful call. So, Graham, I'm going to give you this. We're reading from Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8 this morning. Uh, we're going to be reading about martyrs. A martyr is a person who is murdered because he or she is a follower of Jesus. The church at Smyrna had many martyrs, and Jesus spent a spe sent a special message of encouragement to the church in Smyrna found in the book of Revelation chapter 2. And it says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is, a, is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. The story of the Smyrna church is all about life and death. People are being persecuted and killed because of their faith to Jesus. However, they were reminded by the Lord's word, saying that he is the first and the last, which means the death and resurrection of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 reads, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He is the one who died and came to life again amidst all the judgments and conquered death, not only for himself, but also for all for all who put their trust in him. All of the persecution and suffering experienced by the people of Smyrna have already been experienced by Jesus, and he overcame all of it. Jesus, who died and came to life again, is saying to us that we will also overcome every circumstance through him and with him if we have faith in him. Jesus knows the before and after of our every situation. Thus, it is important to seek and trust God's plan and purposes in our life because He will always be there for us. Whatever you're going through right now, it's not yet the end. The end is something bigger. And as an example, most people today worry too much about death, not realizing that our, that our life in this world only holds a little space of our true life to God. We must look forward for the eternal life that God has in store for us and focus on the things that will help us achieve this. But how can we have this eternal life? 
It is by accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and believing in Him who overcame everything in this world to save us all. The people of Smyrna are willing to die rather than to deny Jesus, and this shows their true faithfulness to Him. Following Jesus has a cost, and for this church, it costs the people's lives. However, Jesus as the first and the last always gives us hope and reminds us that He has overcome death and will deliver those who suffered for His sake. The church at Smyrna was not the only place where people died for their faith. And with the exception of John, the apostle who wrote the book of Revelation, all the other apostles were killed for their faith and suffered cruel and violent deaths. Peter was crucified. He said he was unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus was. He asked to be crucified upside down with his head pointed downward and his feet pointed upward, and his request was granted. Paul the apostle was beheaded. Jude, the brother of James, who was commonly called Thaddeus, was crucified in the year 72 AD. Bartholomew preached in India and translated the Gospel of Matthew into the language of India. He was crucified. Thomas, called Didymus, preached the Gospel in Parthia in India, um, and where he excited the rage of pagan priests. He was murdered by being thrust through with a spear. And Luke, the evangelist and the author of the Gospel that bears his name, um, traveled with Paul through various countries and was hanged on an olive tree in Greece. Verse 9, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. The first two words in this verse is, I know. God is talking in this verse, and God knows what the people at the Smyrna go are go were going through. He knew deeper how the people of the church at Smyrna are suffering. God can see it through his eyes or heart. As the same for us, we are not alone in facing the circumstances in life that are pressuring us, troubling us, and pushing us down. Before we know it, God knows what will happen. God knows us more than we know ourselves, and He will use our circumstances in life for good. Just like the people in Smyrna that, that are experiencing afflictions, which is that causes pain or suffering, and they are experiencing it because they are losing their jobs and they are being put to death for believing in Christ, um, God uses it for deeper purposes, just like um, for us to have an eternal life with Him. Some people may think that it is impossible or it does not make sense to be poor and rich at the same time. But the people of the church at Smyrna that believes in Jesus may be poor in the world but rich in heaven. Why were they rich? It's because they have each other, they have Jesus, and they have eternal life. We may not have everything in the world, which are the material things that we often see. But, it, but if we know Jesus, acknowledge Him as our Lord and Savior, and give everything to Him, we will surely have everything. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but they are synagogue of Satan. I know. Sometimes when uh, we, we learn that slander is, is speaking the truth about someone with the intent to hurt, Something you might have observed maybe about their behavior, a mistake they made, or generally just trying to hurt their reputation. Back then, they used to call the Christians cannibals, that they, they ate people's flesh. Based on the scripture, I believe, where it says, Jesus said, if you do not eat my flesh or drink my blood. So they would take a truth and try to ruin these people's image and reputation. But what stuck out to me in this was the phrase, I know. Jesus keeps uttering this over and over again that I know. 
And sometimes our only and greatest comfort in these afflictions, in all these hard times is, I know, I can see, I know. And I'm, it what reassures us that, yeah, we're not going this through, through this alone. He's sitting there with us. He's sitting there with us and he, he can see, he can observe, and he knows. What is the meaning of false Jews? The Jews were confident that they were sons of Abraham and that they, they followed Moses and the law. But then we, we realized that a true Jew would have recognized Jesus when he was among them. A true Jew would have recognized that this is the son of God, that the God we claim to serve, the God that we say we worship and we gather every day to talk about. This is his son standing before us. These are his people, and yet we are persecuting them. So the, the, the false Jews were those who thought they were following God and doing what God's will by persecuting these people, but in turn were actually persecuting his, his, real, his real people. What is a synagogue? It's, it's, a, it's a gathering of people that, that, uh, that gather to learn, to study together more often than not, to sharpen one another. And the focus of this, the, the reason this was a false, a gathering of false Jews was that Christ was not at the center of things. He was not why they had gathered. They had gathered for different reasons, learning different things, perhaps a doctrine, a teaching that did not point to God, that did not point to Christ. That was so there's a whole host of things, and we see this today. It's everywhere. It's in certain churches, it's in certain ministries where we we, we were talking about it last night, I believe, and we mentioned some some that say that well, we affirm we affirm what the world wants us to affirm against the word of God, against scripture. And the synagogue Satan is where what Satan wants, the things that Satan is trying to teach people is being enforced and being promoted. That is a synagogue of t Satan, which is why I say that it's a place where Christ is not given, is not magnified. It's not the teachings, it's not the wholesome things that he has given us to learn that are being taught, but rather Satan invading that place with his own teachings and with his own uh, mindset. Other apostles were martyred in the Bible. Simon, surnamed Zelotes, was crucified in A.D. 74. St Stephen was martyred by being stoned to death. His death is recorded in Acts chapter 7. As he was dying, he saw a vision of Christ, and he cried out, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Saul of Tarsus, a man who hated Christians, witnessed this, and later he too had a vision of Jesus, and as a result, was saved. He later became known as Paul the Apostle. Persecution arose from the death of Stephen. About 2,000 Christians were martyred. Verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Persecution means to harass or punish in a manner designed to cause injury, grief, or affliction. These are the things experienced by the people of Smyrna, which incredibly impacted their life. In this text, 10 days means the temp 10 emperors from the time of the Smyrna church who unmercifully persecuted the temple of Jesus. In the scripture, it also says that the devil will put some of you in the prison to test you. 
What does a test mean in the Bible? It happens when God tests our faith in Him. Are you? Are we still going to be true to Jesus amidst the temptation and the intimidation in this world? James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He is telling us that whenever we face trials and tests, we must be filled with joy. However, in our human nature, none of us will be happy with a life full of suffering and struggles. We all want a life filled with joy and peace. But we also know that problems are a part of our daily life. In here, our faith is being tested in order to work with our patience. And for what? The scripture then continues in verse 4, which reads, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This verse reveals that patience produces a perfect work and it is us being complete as a whole. When we are patient, we are complete. Jesus said that we should not be afraid even though suffering is coming. Tests will come into our life and it will determine how faithful we are to Jesus. It is a matter of how you will face this suffering and be able to turn it into a blessing given by God as He continues to give light to your life. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you the crown, I will give you life as your victor's crown. What does being faithful mean? Being faithful, I can imagine during this time when these afflictions and these, these harassments are going on. And you're tempted to say, you know what, maybe we should just stop believing. Maybe we should just find the easy way out. Maybe we should just find the best alternative. Let's avoid these people. But he says that be faithful. So that blessed are, blessed are you if you are persecuted for righteousness sake, for your reward is in heaven. And over here he tells us what this reward is. He says that this is the victor's crown. This is the victor's crown that we are given when we are faithful to Christ. When we are faithful to him even in the midst of persecution and suffering. And it's a sign that we are actually following the master. Because in the midst of all this persecution and this suffering, he said nothing. He said that he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And always looks like you're the bad guy in all this situation, but actually in God's eyes, you're the right one. And the book of Proverbs says that it is better that you be among the oppressed than to be with the oppressors. It's always a fight of two sides, God and the devil. God and the devil. And being faithful here just means that stay on God's side, even though it looks like the worst side. The same way with David and, and Saul. It says, I touch not the Lord's anointed. You just stay on God's side and, and obey his principles, his teaching. His, just obey, even at the cost of your life. You obey what God laid in your heart and follow through. So this is faithfulness. And some of the ways we can be unfaithful is sometimes it's like, uh, God, no, I don't think I believe anymore. Or you turn your back on him. That's, that's I guess, to an extreme, the, the greatest level of unfaithfulness. But when you suddenly compromise, when you compromise because of the intimidation, when you compromise because of what they might think, when you compromise because of what they might say or do to you. Stephen sat before, I hope we all know Stephen, but Stephen sat before the Sanhedrin and he preached to them and told them outright that what they had done to Jesus Christ was wrong and it was a sin. And they got angry at him and surrounded him and stoned him to death. And in all this, he never picked up a stone to throw back at him for he, because he remembered and he obeyed what God said. That blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake and for righteousness sake. 
Revelation 2, verse 11. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. This verse is saying that Christians who die in serving the Lord know a victory that others do not know because death releases them from hurt of tribulation. They base their victory in the present on their understanding of the future. The Holy Spirit understanding of the future points those who face death to eternity. P those who give their lives for Christ, who are positive toward God, in the verse, has an ear, keep eternal values in view. That is what the first sentence means. The second sentence means that there are two deaths a person can experience, physical and spiritual. Our passage deals with spiritual death, which is eternal death. We die first physically. We die a second death, a spiritual death for eternity. If we do not receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the second death means that you will go to hell if you do not accept Jesus into your life. Throughout history, there have been millions of martyrs, people who would rather die than deny their faith in Jesus Christ. For example, James, the son of Zebedee, was the elder brother of John and a relative of our Lord. Rather than deny Jesus, he was martyred by beheading. Philip, Matthew, Andrew, Matthias, and Luke are some others who gave their lives for Jesus throughout martyrdom. What about you and me? Are we willing to give our lives for Christ? Jesus said, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Will you surrender your life to Jesus today? We talk about a period of time when so many died for their faith, when they were martyred. And with the exception of John, who wrote the book of Revelation, every one of the apostles suffered a violent death because of their faith in Christ. And yet in all of that comes the powerful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that causes us to win the victor's crown when it seems like you've been put down and that the devil has won. In fact, the scripture says there's a teaching that comes against you personally, from the synagogue of Satan, the teaching of the devil. And it comes through various means, and it's all designed to hurt you and to destroy you, to prevent you from winning the victor's crown. And actually, you don't really win it. You receive it. Because Jesus won it, and he gives it. Now, we're moving into a different period of history for our church. We can look back and rejoice in all the wonderful things that have taken place. And uh, there's been a lot of good things that have taken place. But God is saying it's time for the church to shift. It's time for the church to take on the spirit of the church of Smyrna, where, we'll, where we are willing to die, not because soldiers are coming to our door and saying, if you don't renounce Jesus, we're going to kill you, we're going to crucify you, or put you at a firing squad. That doesn't happen in Canada. But what does happen is we are tempted every day to compromise our faithfulness to Christ and to allow the things of the world to come in and, and just kind of cause the whole true message of what it means to lay down your life for Christ. As Genesis said, 
Jesus said, those who love their lives will lose it. In other words, those who say, it's what I want. This is my goal. This is what I'd like to do. And you set your own agenda for life. And whenever that happens, you lose. Those who love their lives will lose it. And by that, he's referring to separating themselves from Jesus and saying, Jesus, no, I'm going to do it my way. But those who are willing, Jesus said, to lose their lives, to say, not my will, but yours be done. It's not what I want, it's what you want. And as these young people have so eloquently shared this morning from the depths of their heart, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to be a martyr. You're going to die to self in order to live for Christ. And for each of us, that means something a little different. Whatever is the temptation that besets you, and as Paul wrote in Hebrews, or the weights that so easily bring you down and cause you to stumble and not be able to finish the course or the race that God has set for you. He said, let us lay aside every sin and the weight that so easily besets us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he is the author and the finisher of your success, of you being able to wear the victor's crown and have your life mean something. And today, if the Holy Spirit is saying to you, and like Gabriel said, you know, read that verse, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Every one of us in this room this morning have heard the same message. But it's only those who open their hearts to God that will actually hear the voice of the Spirit drawing you and calling you and bringing you into a relationship with God where you lay down your life, where the shift takes place that brings about revival and renewal, not just in this church, but in this province and across this land. Do we need revival today in Canada? Do we need it in Nova Scotia? Do we? Do we need it in this county? Do we need it in this church? Do we need it in you? Do we need it in me? Yes, we all need it. What is God saying to you? What is he saying for you to lay aside? It's a call to martyrdom. It's a call to say, I die to self and I live to Christ. It's only the sacrifice that receives the fire. God still pours out the fire of the Holy Spirit whenever there's sacrifice. When people say yes to God. When we went to Bible school, our very first night in Bible school, we were all given a little stick. And that little stick represented the, the stick that was thrown on the martyr's pillar of fire. That all through history it happened so many. If you go through the purges of the Middle Ages and, and even today, the uh, United Nations has just designated uh, parts of the Middle East as being, part, uh, of being parts of the world where there is 
the genocide of Christians. So today there are people that die for their faith in Christ. And there was a fire that was set. And there was 200 students. And we were all given this little stick. And it represented the pole upon which martyrs were sometimes strapped, roped, and where all of the, the sticks or the fuel that would be lit and would cause that man's life or woman's life to be extinguished. And it was, we were said, will you be willing to be on that pole? If you're going to pursue what Bible school means and what it means to serve God, are you willing to take the stick and put it at the foot of your own martyrdom and say, all for Jesus, everything, nothing withheld. I offer my life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God because it's my reasonable service given what he's done for me. And if we could light a fire in this church this morning, I mean, a physical fire, which wouldn't be a good idea. But would you take that little stick that represents your life and lay it at the feet, at your own feet, as you are consumed with everything that is self in order that you might live for him? I pray you would. And right here this morning, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and if you're here today and you've been living life just any old way you want, or you have made compromises where you say, I want to have my pleasure, my fun, my money, whatever it is, my relationship that is not blessed of God, whatever. And you say, Bruce, this morning, I am willing to lay all that down. And to be what we've heard these young people talk about, someone who sold out to God to give my life entirely and completely to Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now throughout this room? Yes, yes. There's several that are raising their hands. How many believers here this morning would say, I... I've been a follower of Jesus, but my, there's things in my life I've been holding on to that I shouldn't. I need to lay them down at the foot of Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Amen. 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 Let me, let me share this word with you. Now we're going to sing this song. Worship team, you can get ready to sing it. It's a theme song of the Smyrna Church. It's about the victor's crown. It's about overcoming. It's about when you are faithful unto death to give your life entirely to Christ. He is there for you. As was so eloquently stated, I know your trials. I know your tribulation. I know what you're going through. And he knows this morning. He knows what you're going through. He knows the trial that you're experiencing. 
let me say this to you. He has a victor's crown for you. Genesis, he has a victor's crown for you. You're going to Bible school. And you'll find that there's times that you'll want to quit. And I shared with you how I wanted to quit. In fact, I did quit. I got a, I hitchhiked on the road and went home. <laughs> I said, I'm never going back there again. And I had been there. Well, it had been a long, long time. I had been there for about a month. And said, I'm never going back. But when I got alone in my bedroom and started to explain to God all the reasons why I was never going back, heaven was silent. And I started to hear some echo in my heart that my quitting didn't come from him. It came from my misgivings and my inferiorities and my whatever. And so I laid it down. And it had only been a few weeks since I'd thrown that little stick on the fire. And yet how quickly we can lose sight of the victor's crown. Don't lose sight of the victor's crown. Because you overcome by the power of Jesus, by the power of the cross, by the power of his life given to you. You don't overcome by your own strength. You overcome by yielding to his. You're not the author and finisher of your faith. It's Jesus who is the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. And he who has started a good work in you will, be, will finish it until the day of Christ. Hallelujah. Bless them, Lord, and bless every person in this room, for he's called us, he's summoned us to all that, wow, to the victor's crown, to the victor's crown. He's not called you to defeat or disappointment or despair. He's called you to victory, to the power of the Holy Spirit that operates in you and will continue up to operate until the day when Jesus comes and then will come la grande shifty. That's French for the big shift. We're going to have a few little shifts along the way in comparison. I don't know if that was French or not, but it's true anyway. There's coming a day when we're not going to be living subjected to the synagogue of Satan or to those who falsely accuse you, falsely tell you you're no good, you're useless, your sins are too great, God could never forgive you. The temptations you're enduring right now, you're losing the battle, give up, quit. All of that comes from the enemy. What comes from the Lord is the victor's crown. How many are ready to shift from despair to victory, from disappointment to the crown? Whew, wow. Paul said concerning his own death, and he knew he was going to be martyred. He said, I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And from now on, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me. And not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. 